When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast where we discuss my teams, other Illini sports programs, Chicago Bears, college football, college basketball, a little bit of the NBA, NFL, all that stuff. Uh, if any of that interests you, please hit the like button and subscribe button to the Coach Steve Show YouTube channel. Uh, we also talk to college football coaches and stuff all over the country, literally all over the country. Uh, go check out all of those episodes. And if you like all that, again, hit the like button, subscribe button. Uh, the podcast can be found literally anywhere you listen to your podcast. Apple, Spotify, Google, Pandora, iHeartRadio, literally wherever you listen to your podcast. It's going to be found there, I promise you. Please rate it, follow it, leave it a review, be a friend, tell a friend, share it out. It helps out the algorithm. Thank you guys so much for who do listen. Um, the podcast is also brought to you by the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. If you head over to bellyupsports.com, check out all the content there. Thank you, Belly Up Sports, for sponsoring the podcast or hosting the podcast. Betting season is in full swing, and if you want to make your same-game parlays, in-game bets, money lines, you want to go to MyBookie right now. If you go to MyBookie.ag and it's your very first time signing up and you're making your very first deposit, use the code BellyUpFantasy, all one word, 
it's going to double your first deposit. That's free money. And everybody loves free money. So $100, $200, $500 is 1000 1000 2000 They're going to double it. Go make money. Sports betting is the future. That's the way to make money. That's the way to, you know, really be involved in sports. You know, people make money off all this. It's just great. So get involved. Belly Up Fantasy is the code you use on your very first deposit at mybookie.ag. Double your very first deposit. The podcast is also brought to you by Coach Stone Football and is back to the basics, books, and drills. If you go to coachstonefootball.com, check out all of his books on football drills, uh, practice planning, game planning, and much, much more. His very first book is over 500 pages of drills. So I'm telling you right now, just that book alone is good enough, but go check out all the other books there. CoachStoneFootball.com. You will never have to check out another or look up another drill ever again. Thank you, Coach Stone, for sponsoring the podcast. If you're looking for an energy drink that's going to help with that midday pick-me-up, but you don't want the crash that happens after about an hour or so, well, look no further. If you go to SwiftLifestyles.com, you're going to get just that. If you head over to SwiftLifestyles.com, you're going to get a tub that you know looks like a pre-workout, which it can also be used as a pre-workout. But it comes in a tub. There's 30 servings. You're not buying just a can. It's going to last a while. Uh, you can get a shaker on the website and everything. If you go to SwiftLifestyles.com, uh, use the code uh, Coach Steve Show, all one word. You are going to get. Uh, take 15% off your order. So SwiftLifestyles.com, Coach Steve Show, all one word, and you're going to save 15% off your order. So go do that again. SwiftLifestyles.com, Coach Steve Show, all one word. Thank you, Swift Lifestyles. So today's episode... We're going to dive into a topic that people are talking about that I'm interested in. Now, I am not, I am not fully, I'm educated on this, but there are some things I don't know. So we're going to discuss this from my point of view and for what I'm seeing and what's going on in the world of college football, but not just college football, college sports. But, you know, this is going to wrap around college football because I'm more of college football than anything else. But this is also happening in college basketball and other sports as well. And that is the transfer portal and this early signing period in football. Is the transfer portal hurting college sports? Is it hurting college football? You know, you know, we'll get to the basketball one. You know, kids have transferred to the portal and everything. You know, for example, Miller that played for the U of I went to the transfer portal and everything else who did well for Illinois and then just, you know, was like not good and he didn't want to be there anymore and left. So it's the transfer portal hurting college sports. And we'll talk about all of that and this early signing period and, you know, just kind of some things in college football that probably needs to go what's happened, what kind of led to the transfer portal. Um, so to discuss how we got to this transfer portal was, you know, schools had a lot of power. Schools, if a kid was at a school for two years or whatever, maybe he wasn't getting the playing time he thought he was. Uh, maybe if the coach left, that's the big one we'll t- talk about here in a second, is the coach left. They bring another coach in. Maybe they don't like the coach. Because when you recruit, and I'm not, I don't recruit. But part of the thing is when you recruit, 
you're recruiting for the school and you're trying to sell the school to this kid, but the kid's also going to have to gravitate towards the coach because a coach will sit in there in mom or dad's house, you know, grandma's house or whoever, and look at everybody and say, I will take care of your kid, you know, blah, blah. And they kind of, you know, so the kid has to have a connection to the coach. They have to have a connection to the program and the culture. And, you know, then you look at X's and O's, but they have to have that connection to the coach. And then you're there for a year or two. And then the coach leaves and takes another job. So that's kind of what, what kind of got this rolling. And what started to happen was these kids just couldn't leave the school or the school or the coach or whoever said, okay, you can leave. But there were times where, okay, if you leave, you sit for a season or whatever it was. Or then it became, well, when you leave, we're going to control where you go. So if you're at LSU and your offensive coordinator, your all line coach or whoever left and went to Alabama, well, I want to transfer to Alabama. They can give me a scholarship. I'm going to transfer my credits and all that stuff. That school can say, nope. Not happening. You're not going to Alabama. Sorry. And it kind of kept those kids locked in to say, you're going to stay at LSU, or if you're going to transfer, you're going to transfer and go to, uh, you're going to go to an FCS school. And that's where, if you watch anything like Last Chance You on Netflix, that's where the community colleges started to come into play because when these schools are controlling where you're going to go, well, I'm just going to go to a community college because I wasn't playing a lot here or whatever the reason was. I got kicked out or the grades weren't good enough. Now, there's a lot of reasons they go there, but there's some that go, well, I'm just not playing here. I can't control where I want to go. I'm going to go to a junior college and play, a, just go for that semester, maybe a year's tops, but that semester to play football. And then I can transfer over to where I want to go. Or maybe during that time, I'm doing really well. That's where you saw like East Mississippi, you know, on last chance you, that's why college junior colleges, they're big time and it's not talked about enough because of that. You know, now a lot of times junior colleges get kickbacks of, okay, this kid failed out. Uh, you know, marijuana is becoming legal in most states. They got caught doing drugs and they got kicked out and they have to go here to reinvent themselves. But you had some that wanted to leave. Um, I believe, um, on last chance you, the, the one quarterback on the very first season they had, you know, he was at Florida State, and then I don't think he failed out. He just wasn't playing. He wanted to play, and he wasn't starting, so he left. But again, they can control where you go. And then with, you know, they're recruiting high school kids, all these other schools. They may not have a scholarship, so you have to wait. So where do you go? Do you, do you, can you find an FCS school to go to? Do you go to a community college? to a good one that's going to, you know, you're going to get some film and then you can go where you want and then end up going to Auburn and all this stuff. So a lot of things have pointed to this transfer portal. Now, I think the thought was good, but then we'll talk about what's been happening. But again, it's just, I'm going to be all over the place here for these couple topics. And again, people that listen, please comment on there. Send me a message and say, Steve, we're going to educate you a little more on this. And I, I'm going to listen and I'm going to want to know more. And I want to have the conversation. Um, I, and and the topic, you know, the question of this is, is transporter hurting college football? Is it not? I really don't have the answer because there's good and bad for this. So the reason why this portal thing, I think, started to happen was because of that. I think because the schools... It always goes back to this amateurism. So college athletes are in school 
they're playing football, they're playing basketball. Well, the top, then they're amateurs. But where the problem comes in is you have, there's nothing people need to realize. Okay. Not every football coach in college is making millions of dollars. Not every football coach is making 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800,000 dollars. Okay. You've got to look at FCS schools. FCS schools, they make anywhere from, you know, assistant coaches are making $30,000, dollars $60,000, which to me, that I would make that much to coach football. Then you got some head coaches making $200,000, $300,000. Those are head coaches. Those are not whatever. And there's some Division One coaches out there not even making a million dollars. So people need to realize that. We always hear about the big-time money. We're here in the Brian Kelly's of the world that are about to make $100 million over 10 years. We're hearing Nick Saban's that make – you know, 10 to 13 million a year. We're here in Lincoln Riley's of the world and Dabo Sweeney's and all this. There's some, you know, some that don't. And that's just what we hear about. But what's, what, what started to happen was you have this amateurism thing, you know, and it goes back. It, a lot of things are about to be happening on this podcast episode. These college football coaches make a lot of money, like the big time ones that you see. And then they had the NCAA games where they're using the likeness of the players and everything else. These college players weren't seeing any of the money. They're selling their jerseys with names on them. They're not seeing the money. It's going to the school. It's going to these coaches. And that's and we've kind of pointed into the, you know, the national, you know, intent, you know, making money off their name and all that stuff. But that's kind of what it pointed to was, okay, these college coaches make a lot of money, the big time ones. These schools are getting millions upon millions and millions of dollars. The NCAA president is making money for doing nothing and being one of the worst presidential or CEOs of something that we have ever seen with the NCAA, but they keep going back to this word amateurism. Well, it's not amateurism because they don't make money. Now, there's a huge debate of, well, some of these guys are on scholarships. They're making, they're giving, uh, given a scholarship of like a hundred thousand dollars to get this thing where people like us that do, you know, that pay for the school on their own. Well, that's paying them. Well, then if that's paying them, then they shouldn't be amateurs anymore because you are paying them to giving them the school money on their behalf to go to school. So that's why I think way back when they should not have been called amateurs and all this stuff. So it's just been this craziness. But then the cherry on top of that was you're going to a school, you know. Now, I understand the reason why a kid wants to leave if the head coach leaves and takes a job, if their position coach leaves and takes a job, and that's why they went there. Maybe they want to leave to go follow that coach. Maybe they just don't like what's going on. Maybe there's some shadiness. Maybe they just don't, you know, they're going there. They thought they were going to like the school. They don't like the school. They want to go somewhere back home or something. Now, sometimes if it's a situation where they go back home, maybe. But there were those times where they want to leave. School said, you ain't going nowhere. You're not going to go where you think you're going to go. We control. And that was not good. And then now we're going to get into coaches and then we'll talk about some articles that are out there and then we'll talk about the early signing period because this is kind of all it's kind of all intertwined coaches then started to leave so what's happening is a coach would take a job for a year or two if sometimes if that you know whatever and then they leave during their contracts if a coach signed a three-year four-year five-year deal um they leave they could leave so during this time, okay, I'm going to coach here for two years, and then if a big-time job opens up and I do good, I'm going to go. But then those kids that you just recruited are stuck. And Because I did another episode earlier, um, is there loyalty in college football? And that was just more of 
administrative stuff with the Manny Diaz situation. It wasn't necessarily the football coaches because it is a tough thing because football coaches have to do what's best for them and their families. Now, I've, I don't know what the difference is between, okay, I'm going to make $8 million a year versus 10. Like, do you really need to make that $2 million extra? Like, you got coaches out there coaching for $10,000, $20,000. You've got high school coaches doing it for the stipends and all this stuff. So to me, it's $8 million versus $10 million really that much more. So sometimes it is about the money, sometimes it isn't. So you got these coaches leaving. And so the unfairness became, well, they can leave when they want. They can get their contract when they want. Why can't the players? And go somewhere else. And so it was a big divide of, you know, this is unfair. Because those coaches sit in there and say, I'm going to watch your son, you know, like a second parent or a third parent, and then they leave. Now, again, sometimes it's for the betterment of your family, you know, um, depending on the location. If you're coaching in, like people talk about Mike Leach in Washington State. Now, he stayed at Washington State for years, years. Well, now he's going to make a little more money at Mississippi State. He probably likes the weather more. Does his family like where they're going and all this stuff? So it depends on family. But that's kind of what started the whole thing of coaches leave. They don't stay for their whole contract. So student athletes, unless they go to the NFL, they're supposed to stay for four or five years. These coaches don't stay for four or five years all the time. Uh, and all this stuff. So that kind of started this talk about transfer portal. And then it became that, especially during the COVID times where, you know, you got guys staying. So, but the thing with this transfer portal that started happening was, I think it started as a good idea where, okay, these schools just don't have the power anymore to tell these kids where to go. If they're unhappy at the school, they can go to the transfer portal. And then now schools can go recruit. So basically when you go to the transfer portal, you're being recruited again. So if you're at Ohio State and you just don't like what's going on, you go to the transfer portal. Or like Jalen Hurts, sometimes good things happen when you're Jalen Hurts, you're at Alabama, you know, you sat behind Tua that one year, which he was a great teammate. Then he was just kind of like, you know, I sat behind him, I helped out. We won games, we did well. I want to play. And have to think what's best. Does he want to go to the NFL? He needs the film. You know, yeah, he battled, did what he could. And sometimes it works out for these stories. And you go to Oklahoma, it does pretty well. Uh, Kyler Murray, same thing, uh, and all this stuff. And so sometimes it works out well. And I think that, those type of stories is where the transfer portal works. Or, okay. But now you're getting, I think at one point there was over a 1,000 or so going to the transfer portal. And now here's what happens. Though. You go to the transfer portal. It's kind of like you open up your recruiting. So, again, if you're at Ohio State, you're not, you've been there for a year or two, you don't like what's going on, coach left or whatever, you just go to the transfer portal. So now other schools can say, oh, man, he's in the transfer portal. We have these scholarships. We can go talk to him and recruit him again and bring him on. But where the transfer portal, and maybe I should change it to is it hurting high school students because now then what's starting to happen is these coaches are now waiting to see who's in the transfer portal before they go get the high school kids. Because would you rather go get this 18-year-old kid, this 19-year-old kid, this 18-year-old, 17-year-old kid to come in? Maybe they register and they sit. Or do you go to the transfer portal? Man, there's 
this good quarterback and this transfer portal, there's a good offensive line, the transfer portal, who's got a year or two of playing college football, understands it, we can get him over this kid. So now the scholarship numbers are coming into play. Now you got the coaches waiting for this. But now coaches are now scrambling for this early signing period, which happens in early December, where they have to recruit really well before they this dead period, and then they get into this other signing period later on and all this stuff. So all this is coming into play. So if we look at different articles about this transfer portal, um, you know, like how the transfer portal has shifted power and transformation of college football. Um, college football coaches have called it free agency. It's an open door to cheating. Um, the end of the sport as we know it, you know, this is written back of August of this year. Um, and that was before uh, the Sunday player friendly NCAA announced in April that would grant all college football players one free transfer without having to sit out a season. It will be the wild, wild west, the power five coach said. And away we go. Um, there's clearly two sides to this. Um, a dynamic so powerful that it changed the way every coach runs his program and adds a new category of potential NCAA rule breakers on the equation. Now, what they're talking about this transfer portal is do coaches talk to these players or the players go talk to these coaches during the season? about going to the transfer portal because sometimes when they go to the transfer portal, they already know where they're going sometimes. And sometimes they don't. You know, players love it. Coaches hate it. Players love the flexibility it allows after signing their initial letter of intent and the ability to move immediately one time in four years without punitive consequences. Coaches hate everything about it, beginning with roster management issues and ending with how the new transfer rule will piggyback on the new name, images, and likeness rule, the entire framework of what they know and what they live by has flipped upside down. They also knew it was coming because of the NCAA. For four years, the hammer to um, four years, the hammer to any nail of the player changes deep in the mud of legal action and the threat in his uh, amateur model. The NCAA had to offer some form of olive branch to, at the very least, look at their serious about change. But this specific change, many coaches say, will be epic. Good luck getting any coaches to speak openly, truthfully about the new rules. Um, brutal, a Power 5 coach says. The rule puts every coach trying to run a clean program in an untenable situation. You're enabling NCAA rule breakers. You're inviting tampering. They've opened Pandora's box and are allowing players to take their ball and go home when things don't go their way. What kind of message is that? Are we not in the business of building young men? And then there's the rub. Because for every coach who claims his job is molding young men and that the new rules is teaching bad habits to those same young men, there's a player who watches a coach leave a program after a couple seasons for a greener, and by greener we mean more lucrative, pastures. For every coach who claims it will be difficult to deal with roster management, and it will, there are players who are off, who are runoff programs because they're not a fit and the staff is recruiting over them. Coaches can't expect to move freely in their jobs while forcing players into a situation where they're punished for leaving. Yet, they are still holding on tight like it's 1970. Exhibit A, Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley. Riley is one of the game's best coaches and young charismatic coaches that love him. He has reached the top of his profession because he's on the cutting edge of teaching and offense innovation. Yet, he may as well be Fred Flintstone, fueling his car with his feet when it comes to player movement, at least for the player moving into his conference. Riley, backup quarterback, um, Chandler Morris transferred to Big 12 rival TCU. Riley, who has said he thinks a player ability to transfer is a good thing overall, thought Morris should have should have to sit out a season because he's transferred within the conference. We think it's unhealthy for college football to encourage inter-conference transfers. But it's okay for Dan Mullen to leave Mississippi State for Florida. See where this is headed. For every coach criticism, there is a counter-argument from the players. 
Raleigh says he's fine with transfers, and why wouldn't he be? Three of the Sooners' last four quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Kyle Marley, the Jalen Hurts, have been transfers, and Riley could get three starters from the transfer portal this season. The talented Tennessee, now this, see, this was written, written way back before the season. So just, just those are just different examples. Another one, uh, if you're talking about the transfer portal, um, teams can get crushed by them. Um, even Nick Saban. Nick Saban. This is written on uh, 24sports.com. Transfer portal creates fewer opportunities for high school recruits. The NCAA transfer portal is widely considered a positive for student athletes. It's allowed players the freedom to explore their uh, options in the event the program they sign with. Um, with the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Now where they want to finish their college career, a number of programs have benefited from the poor, including Alabama, which had a significant transfer this offseason. And former Tennessee linebacker Harry Toto, uh, Alabama coach Nick Saban, recently conducted a question-and-answer session with ESPN Mark Schlebach, and the coach was asked, the transfer would ultimately create a wide gap between haves and have-nots in college football. We would have benefited more if we had more space, Saban said. We had such a good recruiting year. We didn't have much space. In theory, the best players are not going to leave the best programs, but there will be people that want to leave and go to the best programs. Some players on the back end of your roster who think they might not play may leave, but that doesn't hurt you as much. Saban added that he believes the transfer portal will eventually lead to less opportunities for high school players. I think it's going to create less opportunities for players, not more. If you look at some of the group of five schools, why would you recruit high school players when you can take transfers? You can only transfer once. You know if you get 19 transfers, they're going to be here. If I get a good high school player, he might leave. Why would you recruit a high school players? That's just a lot of opportunities the high school kids won't get. So... Like I've said, you look at this, it's just open. This, this this could go on for two hours. So does this hurt? So now it's going to hurt the high school kids. Does it hurt college football because of that? You're not bringing in as many young guys. It's going to help other schools, but because of your scholarship numbers as well, it's going to hurt. It helps things, but here's where the criticism, the reason, only reason why this exists. That article about Lincoln Riley was written before he went to USC. But that's an example right there. He's still in his contract at Oklahoma and then left. So whether this is true or not, I believe it's true. There was a, It was put up there by Coach Deion Sanders. And here was his quote. Back in the day, we had real rules. You had to finish whatever you started. We couldn't leave the dining table unless we finished. We couldn't go outside and play unless we finished our schoolwork. And we weren't allowed to quit any team or anything we joined and the little completion of it. Let's get back to those days and finish. Now, that quote could be taken different ways. Is he talking about the transfer portal? Is he about kids leaving the school? Is he talking about the coaches? Because his name was thrown around all over for this school. I thought he could have done USC. So this is a fine line of what's going on, and it sucks, and I don't know if there's a right way or a good way to fix this. So before we dive into that... And continue to move on more because this is a decent longish episode. Before we dive into that, we talk about the early signing period. You football coaches out there for your linemen, 
Um, are there helmets getting scuffed up during an inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect the shells, reduce the repetitive blows you guys are taking each and every week. It's Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact. It really focuses on the big guys in the trenches, and you cannot win without us big guys. They're the only position that hits every single time. Defensive line, offensive line, they hit every single time. It's worn by five NFL teams and 200-plus colleges like Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Washington, and Penn State. Check them out at guardiansports.com slash guardiancaps. If you go to guardiansports.com slash guardiancaps, use the code 15OFF. It's good for 15% off your order. So if you want to buy just a couple to try out, 15OFF gets you 15% off. You want to get the whole bulk item for your team because you fundraise pretty well, 15OFF is going to save 15% off your order. Uh, thank you, Guardian Caps, for sponsoring the podcast. If you're a football coach and you have a young kicker or a young guy that's a developing kicker who is not reaching the end zone every single time, I've got the perfect tee for you because, believe it or not, it is probably the tee. It is Launchpad Kickoff Tee. The reason why you want to go with Launchpad Kickoff Tee is because that it gives you it gives the coach a strategic option on squib kicks and onside kicks that were never available before, and I guarantee it's going to help them get the ball into the end zone. Launchpad Kickoff Tee is legal use for NCAA and NFHS, which is high school. Launchpad kickoff tee is a game changer. It's got flaps on the side where it's able to lean the football however you want. It doesn't have to be straight up. You know, if you want an angle that a side it can. If you want to lay the ball completely flat, go for it. And when you order one, it comes with um, a manual telling you exactly where to kick the ball to help get to the end zone, doing squib kicks. It helps give different examples. Um, it's a game changer. Launchpad kickoff tee is an absolute game changer. If you go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS and use the code CSS at checkout, you're going to save 10% on one of them. If you buy the two-pack, you'll save 20%. If you buy the four-pack, you're going to get the fourth one free. So you're only going to pay for three of them when you use the code CSS. So launchpadkickofftee slash CSS, use the code CSS. Go get yours today. Thank you, Launchpad Kickoff Tee, for sponsoring the podcast. All right, so we're going to dive in more. So let's talk about this early signing period and this recruiting, this transfer portal and this signing period. Um, so let's go back. We're going to look at 24-7 sports again. The committee has discussed an eliminated movement of early signing period. Um, discussions are underway with the NCAA's Football Oversight Committee on whether to eliminate the mid-December event. Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bolsby said that those discussions have not reached an official level, but concerns about the viability of the early signing period, which was instituted in 2017, help players and families to end their recruitment before its first Wednesday in February have grown in recent months. We did not do it to accommodate coaches, who was the chair, um, Bolsby, who was the chairman of the oversight committee. We did it to accommodate the students and their families. This is going to be another process of the football oversight committee. We'll have to go back and talk to the kids and families to see you if they want. Um, the only signing period of the 2022 cycle starts next week, December 15th. It starts this week, actually, uh, December 15th through the 17th. Um, as this article had come out, two major jobs in, um, in college football midway through the season, USC and LSU were open, leading to t- this. This just led to turmoil on coaching staff and recruiting. Um, you know, and we're, we're going to continue with the Big 12 commissioner. Clearly, things have changed since the early signing day was put in. Uh, you know, the admin of the transfer portal is the greatest change since the early signing period began. And still, they opened the transfer portal in October of 2018. And over the last year, then still, they opened the door for players to transfer freely without sitting out a season at their new school. Bob Stoops, now in Oklahoma's interim head coach, believes the early signing period should be moved 
because of the changes across sports over the last four years. I always have said, be careful what you wish for. You might just get it, Stoops said. Well, this is where we're at now, and this is why things have to happen faster. Fire guys quicker, hire quicker. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said memo circulated as far back as 2009 when an early signing period was first discussed that mentioned how an earlier signing day would um, accelerate fire and hiring seasons. Lo and behold, here we are, Sankey said. So we've been engaged in that dialogue for 12 years. If others are ready to go back and rethink what's resulted from the current early signing approach, I'm certainly ready to be a part of that dialogue. Bowlesby said he has heard several ideas to tweak the signing period, though though all are not officially proposals, including a signing period following the National Championship Games. Sankey believes an early signing period in August is a non-starter because that would decrease dead periods in the recruiting calendar, a period in which coaches are not allowed to, co- to contact um, or talk to visiting recruits, and that the only uh, vacation time is usually about. Okay, so there's that article. Um, same thing. Uh, transfer portal causing college football coaches to mold changes to recruiting calendar. College football coaches are discussing a revised recruiting calendar that would place more attention on transfers and current roster immediately after the regular season. American Football Coaches Association executive Todd Barry told ESPN on Friday that the increasingly um, active transfer portal, not the mid-December signing period for high school players, is driving discussion about possibly changing the recruiting calendar. Discussions are underway with Division I Football Oversight Committee and recruiting uh, subcommittee on whether moving back the first signing period to early January would better serve the sport. Coaches will continue discussion at the AFCA convention in January, and Barry um, will present a brand-new recruiting calendar. The recruiting calendar needs to change because the whole transfer portal has upset everything, Barry said. As of Friday, more than 280 um, FBS players have entered the transfer portal since December 1st, with four since with withdrawing their name. Barry said the number of early coaching changes this year is not a direct result of the mid-December signing period, noting that it has been in place for several years. This is nothing new, Barry said. What's new this year is if you've got 85 players on your current team that are free agents, most of our coaches would suggest that what's really sped up the cycle, the early signing date beginning December 15th. We might not even know, as coaches, who's going to be in the transfer portal at that time, so it's hard to replace a football team. You don't even know who's going to come back. The bottom line is... Um, the bottom line is that makes that date a bit more difficult. The current FBS recruiting calendar allows coaches to recruit off campus between November 28th and December 11th before a dead period goes into effect before the early signing date. Barry received positive feedback about the early signing period, especially from high school prospects hoping to enroll mid-year in college and compete with transfers looking to move schools around the same time. But a slightly later period for earlier for early signings would make that entire process not so rushed. He has seen new and existing head coaches hiring their staffs faster than ever to prevent mass transfers. So, I think they need to move back this early signing date because we just talked about when kids go to the transfer portal, they're not looking at the high school kids. They want to look at the transfer portal. But when they can go to the transfer portal wherever they want and they're rushing around saying, we have to have these guys sign, we have to do this, college coaches are under pressure to get these guys signed. So when that early signing day is in November or December, then they can't do it again until later on, you know, to the next year in January through March or the summer, whatever it is, when they have a different signing day, 
That's absolutely crazy. And so a lot of this is the transfer portal hurting college football. In a way, it is just because of the other things are not updated. So the transfer portal in itself is not necessarily hurting college football. It's just when you change something, you have to change other things with it. So you implement this transfer portal where guys can transfer and not have to sit out. Uh, helps out the players and it helps the coach because the coach can leave. Coaches hate it because, again, with that quote, when you sign a kid, should they be obligated? Now, as Coach Deion Sanders talking about they don't leave during the year, do they wait for one year to be over? So if it's your sophomore year, you played that year, well, then you're going to leave for your junior year. Or are you talking about, okay, you're going to the school and you're going to see it through? But then why can the coach leave? So where this all comes down to a little bit is if a coach signs a three-year deal, should the coach just stay for three years? But then is that fair on the coach? You sign a three-year deal. After your second year, you're going into your third year. You're coaching at Oklahoma. Alabama calls you and says, hey, Nick Saban retired. You want to come be the head coach here? That's a big-time move. So they can't make that move. But then don't complain about the kids leaving either. But I see the whole thing of the transfer portal is an easy way out. It um, makes the kids look, you know, it gives a kid a reason instead of staying and fighting for a starting job and all that stuff. But it boils down to when they had so much control over the player, it comes down to when these coaches just leave. And like we read the article, they wanted to make it to where players couldn't leave. But coaches could leave. So Dan Mullen, don't want to use him as an example, but that's a, a reason. He's at Mississippi State, who's in the SEC, leaves and goes to Florida. Who is in the SEC? How is that fair? But a player can't. Well, they're a kid. Then you got this early signing date where these coaches feel all this pressure to get the sign. So if there's some in the transfer portal, they're going to go after them over the high school kid because they're established. So it has now turned into this free agency. I think the transfer portal was a start, but if you really want to look at it, these coaches leaving started it. But this transfer portal is not necessarily hurting college football. It's just overall, it's just going to hurt aspects until you adapt. And that's why the NCAA present, NCAA stuff, when you don't adapt and change with times to look at this stuff, that becomes an issue. Some people are going to look at this transfer portal and say it's stupid because the kids can just up and leave whenever they want. Now, if they, now if they can, now COVID changed a lot, and like I said, articles read. I think they can do it more, not sit out, and all that stuff. But reading it, they can only leave one time. But I think there needs to be a committee to educate these kids on. Okay, this is what happens when you leave. You may not get signed. There were kids not signed because places now don't have scholarships. So that's where this becomes. So I think you have to look at the transfer portal and say, okay, do you have to stay at a school for a couple years? Do you give schools more scholarships? Do you tell a kid, hey, you signed here, you you can't leave for two years. But then you probably should put that in the coach's contract. Okay, we're signing you for five years, you can't leave for two. Give and take, you got to make things even. But I think that's the way maybe you slow down the transfer portal. Okay, you get recruited to the school. So even you are in the transfer portal. Now, if you got just a year left of eligibility, you can only do it for a year. But if a kid's got two years of eligibility left, he goes to transfer portal, you've got to stay there for two years, man. But again, that still hurts the college kid because he's there for two years. That's a scholarship. But now coaches are starting to think. Okay, this kid was a freshman at the school. 
Maybe he didn't play as much. He wasn't redshirted. Transfers in. He still got about two or three years left, but we got this really cool high school kid. This good high school kid. We bring him on and redshirt him. We play him the next year. He stays. That scholarship might go a long way. Just a lot of thinking. But I think you have what it will help the transfer portal stuff out. What's going to help a lot of this fire? Because I I've said it before, firing coaches so quickly. Then you have to try and hire, which then when you hire, it makes them leave their school before the full season's over because of this transfer portal stuff because people leave. And then you got to scramble around and get this early signing day done. Like Coach Elliott, who just got the Virginia job, he's not you know, like that. That's, that's going to hurt him. So if you move back, just or if you get rid of the early signing period, or if you push it back to like February, now it gives schools an opportunity like, okay, we can get to the end of our season. It gives us time to hire a coach. And then maybe put a date on the transfer portal saying, okay, you cannot enter the transfer portal by this date. Or the transfer portal opens up, okay, from this date to this date, you can transfer or hop in. But then after this, you can't. So after that date comes and you don't like what's happened or what's going on, you can't leave. There has to be this revamp. And then somebody's not good at revamping and moving with the times. So with the transfer portal hurting college football, that is for you to decide. But I think it's overall, it's coaches leaving, it's the transfer portal, it's this early signing period. I think they got to push it back or get rid of it. Just have a signing period. I think that will allow coaches to not leave so quickly. I think that allows athletic directors and stuff to really look at coaches and hire. And we got to look at the high school recruits too. You're going to see like FCS grow. You're going to see community colleges grow with this stuff. You're going to see, you know, Division twos grow, NAIA stuff. I think they're just going to get bigger. It's going to grow because if you're not hiring or hiring, recruiting high school kids and, all, and everything else. And to end it, we've got to now start paying attention to, Mike Leach said this, you got to be careful because you start making this like free agency in the NFL. Now we've, we're opening up this. Because, I mean, it is a sub part of the NFL, but – now you're really opening this up. Do places go and say they enter the transfer portal? They kind of already know where they're going sometimes. But if you're a place and say, man, if you enter the transfer portal and it's put in place to like you're going to have, there's just a lot of things are going to happen. There's going to be, you know, dirtiness. We're going to be like, if you come here, we'll give you this. This company is going to pay you fifty thousand dollars a year, and your college you're like, oh my god, fifty thousand dollars a year? That's crazy. We're going to pay you hundred thousand dollars a year. You do these appearances, you're going to make a million dollars. Like Bryce, he's already made like a million dollars. Like, that's crazy. But it's just open the door for dirty recruiting, which already happens, but now it's going to be worse. You know, reports of Lincoln Riley's staff already doing that stuff when he was going to USC, claiming he only knew the night before. All that stuff, like absolutely crazy. It's opened that up. I'm not saying the transfer portal started it or like caused this, but it kind of, you know, when it, when, when you've got like the windshield with the frost, you scrape the frost off and you're able to see it kind of peeled back the onion and you got to see this. So everything has got to get revamped. Everything causes this transfer portal, early signing period, all this stuff. It's all in the same thing. So that type, those type of questions are for you to decide, but something's got to change. It's crazy. I'm not the person to fix it. Um, I think they've got to listen to kids. I think they've got to listen to the coaches I think they all have to just revamp. But again, NCAA is not great at doing that. But longer episode, thanks for sticking along. It's a it's a topic to be discussed. And people out there, if you know way more about this stuff than I do, comment, let me know. Send me a message, let me know. You want to get on and talk about it more and educate me more? I'm all for it. Um, this is not a, me being right right now. This is just me reading the stuff, talking about it. 
Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. Um, check out all the affiliates in the description below. Like and subscribe, follow it, rate it, all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much. Check out weekly episodes. And until next time, this has been another episode of the Coach Steve Show, and we are gone. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.